0: This is the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and transformative ideas to help you build a better workplace. To hear all of our episodes and read articles about how you can improve your workplace, go to workminus.com. Welcome back to Work Minus. Today, our guest is David Marquet. He's the author of Turn the Ship Around and a former naval officer, and this is Work Minus the Wrong Language. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, great. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you. You have a very interesting story. So I want to just jump right into it. So tell us about your career in the Navy and how you ended up writing this book.
1: Yeah, so I, I came up through the ranks as a submarine officer. And my leadership book, when I graduated from the Naval Academy, said leadership is the art and science of directing people's thoughts, plans, and actions. Directing thoughts, plans, and actions. And it went on from there. And basically the concept of leadership is that uh, it's predicated on this unspoken, unwritten assumption that we divide the world in two, leaders, followers, thinkers, doers, white collar, blue collar, salary people, hourly people, and it's this division of the world into two that is really it's 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 one of the key things we got to leave behind, because in that when you divide people in two, leadership is inherently coercive because one group of people is making decisions of what to do and a different group is doing it. So we're fundamentally have to coerce. Now, we don't use that word. That's oh, so it's such an impolite word. Oh, we say we motivate them or we inspire them or we get them to think it's their own idea. But fundamentally, we have to get someone else to do something we've decided that they should do. This is the Achilles heel of the modern leader, modern uh, organization, because people don't dig deep enough into their fundamental assumptions to realize that they're operating with this. And so everything else is kind of window dressing on top. But once you realize the whole thing is about getting everybody to think as well as do, then it changes everything. And this, this whole thing about coercion goes away. And people say, well, how do you hold people accountable? The, e- even that question is based on the fact that I need to hold you accountable because I've decided what
0: you need to do. Right. And people are yeah. dumb and stupid, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and if people are choosing their own path, what to do and how to do it, there there's no requirement there's accountability to the team because people make commitments hey i'm going to get this done i'm going to be here at a certain time to pick you up and then and then no one like i don't need to hold you accountable you will hold yourself accountable or the team will and 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 this 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 anyway that's just one little thing but the idea is uh in my mind is that we, we were sort of dragging along these anchor chains uh, that we don't even realize we're dragging along. And it's basically this connection with, the, with this class structure of leadership. Leaders, followers, thinkers, doers.
0: Yeah, and you came out of the Navy where it's like ingrained into the system. Like it's written in that there is this division, right?
1: Exactly. So, so I was really happy with this. I was like, well, not really happy. I mean, I, 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 when I was in the subordinate role, I, I felt un unfulfilled untapped underutilized and that kind of thing but I was very happy going around telling people what to do because I had a great sense of you know look what I made happen of course that it was not very satisfying for the rest of the team and didn't tap their knowledge so uh, my story is I I, I, I rose to the ranks because I was so awesome at telling people what to do <laughs> and they made me a submarine commander uh, but the last minute I got shifted to a different submarine one, uh, that was uh, had different equipment than the one I'd been training for twelve months to take over, and so when I when I walked down on the ship, the reason I went there is because it was uh, had the worst morale, worst performance in the fleet, and the previous captain quit abruptly a year early, so the navy didn't have a successor and said, "Oh, okay, Marquet, don't go where you were going. We'll leave that person there a little while longer. You go over here to the Santa Fe." And I walk on board, and we just kind of all go back to our familiar patterns i'm giving orders the crew's following them but early on i gave an order it was it was a very minor technical thing but it was an order that could not be accomplished on the ship it was basically it's like saying shift your car into fifth gear but you only had a four speed hmm. uh gearbox but but the scary thing is the officer parroted the order and the crewman who was supposed to turn the knob just like looked at us and said what and we were, I was like, what's going on? He's like, Captain, there's only four gears out of five-speed. <laughs> <laughs> and that was embarrassing. And I looked at the officer and was like, hey, Bill, what happened here? Did you know this? He said, yes, sir, I did. I'm like, what? What? Why'd you order it? And he said, because you told me to. And, you know, we've done the same thing that every other organization does, every other top-down organization. We say, well, we're going to tell you what to do, but, oh, by the way, the burden's on you to speak up if you think it's wrong. Hmm. In other words, it's not not the burden on me to make sure it's easy for you to speak up, but it's a burden on you to speak up. Wow. And this is backwards too. And then people, of course, don't speak up. And then we blame them later and we absolve ourselves because, well, I told them to speak up. And, And we know of many industrial accidents where people die because they didn't speak up. Yeah. And then we blame them as opposed to saying, well, the structure, the culture, is not one which makes it easy to speak up. Let's see what the speed bumps. You want to remove something? Remove the speed bumps that allow people to speak up in times of
0: uncertainty. And one of the things that you really landed on in terms of one of those speed bumps was language. So I want to get into some of the things you decided to stop saying and some of the things you started to start saying. What was that process like?
1: So uh, after I made this order that couldn't be done, I I got the officers together. I said, hey, guys, we're, we're not in a good way. We're we're going to die because eventually I, you're just going to do what I say. And eventually it's going to matter. <laughs> and Everyone's looking at their shoes like, yeah, yeah. We're, we knew that. <laughs> and I wanted to fall back on what I'd heard so many times. Hey, you're empowered. You know, you're take initiative, be proactive, speak up. And I did that, I think. But then, uh, then it kind of got reflected back to me and someone basically pointed out that I was not taking responsibility for my own behavior. And it was really my behavior of telling people what to do all day long, which made it hard for them to speak up. And so after a short conversation, I said, we made a deal. I said, OK, I'm never going to tell you what to do, but you can't be asking me to tell you what to do. So if you come to me and say, we, we love to ask permission for things in the Navy, I request permission to load a torpedo, submerge the submarine, start the reactor, things like this. But then I would order it as the captain, submerge the submarine. Sounds great. Looks good in a movie. Uh, and I said, well, so that's still me ordering it. So in order to get out of that, you have to tell me what you intend to do. And you're hereby granted permission unless I stop you. E- even if I, if you send me an email telling me you're going to load torpedoes tomorrow at time, and I don't even answer it, you you have permission to execute your plan. Wow. And it hinges on this word intent. It was a very special word for us. I intend to. Now there it was special for a couple of ways. One, it happened before the event. So you wouldn't say, "Oh, I, you know, I just I just submerged the ship." No, that's not what I'm looking for because we want to invite feedback before the thing happens. Invite feedback. Don't teach people how to give feedback. Create a structure where they're inviting feedback. Hey, I intend to load torpedoes tomorrow at noontime. This is a public statement to the team. What does everyone need to, you know, how does this affect everybody? What Does anyone have a problem with that? Does anyone have any ideas? That kind of thing. And then the tactics guy can say, oh, yeah, well, we're going to be in a situation with, with shallow water, so we need a certain kind of torpedo or certain settings on the torpedo. And the engineer can say, okay, well, I'll make sure I don't mess around with a hydraulic system when you're loading torpedoes. So all this happens. Because we've stated ahead of time, but the key thing is the ownership rests with the team. Leaders, to me, come to come to me all day long. They bemoan the well the lack of ownership. They say, "Well, let me just watch your behavior for like ten minutes, or look at some of your emails." As soon as you're out there telling people what to do, and then you say you're going to go check on it. Hey, how are you doing on those tasks I gave you? They don't own it. You just took all their ownership. You own it. So don't bemoan the lack of ownership after you've stolen the ownership. If you want ownership, let them own it. So uh, it worked for us. It, it cascaded down the ship and the officers started saying it to me and the crew to the officers. And and, and it was really just a trick to get people to think. We, we had plenty of doing, we had plenty of compliance. What I needed was a commitment, thinking, and, and, and a mindset of improving not a mindset of proving so yeah so so it worked for us and it it, the cool thing is it worked in the short run we we won all these awards and morale went way up and we set records but the cool thing is over the long run it also worked 10 of the officers ended up becoming submarine commanders and it's a highly disproportionate number and i attribute it to the fact that they were you know, basically they were learning how to think like submarine commanders way back when. And so then it became a natural extension for this navy to say, oh look, these people think like submarine commanders, let's make them submarine commanders. It wasn't a sort of a conscious plan, but I think it was symptomatic of the fact that I treated people like leaders and I invited them to think, as opposed to treated them like followers and ordered them to comply.
0: Now, I assume like in in the Navy, this kind of action would be almost like revolutionary, like people like what is going on? This is not anything we're used to in the business world. You would think like we can almost hide behind the fact of, you know, we're we don't have much of a hierarchy. We're a flat organization. But even though the behaviors are still very similar, right?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of this, a lot of uh, every organization that's told me we're flat that I've ever seen is not flat. There's always some difference. Someone has more stock someone has more vigor and youth who knows what uh, and so one thing I got good one thing good about the Navy is at least the hierarchy is visible uh, whereas in some businesses it's there's an invisible hierarchy or we deny hierarchy that exists which results in dysfunctional behavior but I um, having worked with businesses over the last six years, I, I can't think of a case. Well, there's a, um, the best example I can think of is there's a, a consultancy in Stockholm that we work with called Crisp, and there's no CEO. So there are like 30, uh, basically everybody does everything. There's a couple of admin people that kind of keep the office running and that kind of thing, but basically everybody else does content they do sales they do contracts they do everything and uh that's sort of the closest i can think of but but um for the larger businesses an oil company or a tech company or a hospital there's there's all hierarchies and and i'm okay with hierarchy i i think denying it when it exists is not helpful and i I think steep hierarchy is the problem.
0: So what are some ways for people to tell if they have some kind of invisible hierarchy? I guess, and in terms of language too, what are some of the cues? Like if you were to go back and read somebody's email, what are the phrases you look for?
1: Ways that we enforce hierarchy, there's some very obvious physical ways. Thicker carpet, uh, barriers to entry, bigger offices. But in emails, we use things like... uh, Hey, I've been doing this a long time, so there's longevity exper- claiming experience. When fresh eyes might actually be better. Um, certified Well, you know, I'm a certified ABC trainer, and but you know, what are you? So we hide behind those things, and we use these things. that's a suppressed fresh ideas, divergent thinking, yeah. and that kind of anything that smacks of coercion. Uh, sometimes hierarchies. Um, we, I was reading a transcript of an industrial accident and the, they make a decision to do something, which ends up being fatal, but then they mock the leaders actually mocking people who would, who would make a different decision. So we're sort of joking and we're putting down and ridiculing people. So now they're locked into the decision, even though it's now starts to become apparent that this is a bad decision could the leader now change no because then you know the leaders already mocked people who would change uh and uh so they're trapped and and they and, and they just it's it's horrible because you can see them just they, they end up sailing to their death. so it's subtle but but these are the things that people do anything you do that that makes it where you're trying to put your idea into somebody else as opposed to invite their ideas on you, I, I think, st- steepens the power gradient.
0: Yeah. Now, if somebody is listening to this, and they feel like, OK, I, I love this idea. Tomorrow, I'm just going to turn everything over to my team. I'm going to step back, not give any orders. Bad idea, right?
1: Yeah. So, so there's two things bad about that. One is probably too big of a jump. You want to do this very, very gradually because you want at every step to understand the cracks we call it the ladder of leadership. So we say, let's say let's say you're in a highly top-down, I'll tell you what to do environment, where you have this relationship. The first step is simply tell me more. What do you see? Observation and description. Then you move to, well, what do you think? Judgment and analysis. Then you will move to recommendations. What should be do? What do you recommend? But you're still approving it. Then you move to intent, where now the bias has shifted, though we're gonna do it unless I say no. So we move from permission to veto and so but it's step by step by step by step it's very very incremental and uh, that's one of the big mistakes i see the other thing is you can only give decision making authority to the extent to which people technically understand their job and understand what you're trying to do with with the organization and you don't know like so here's here's the story my daughter says gee i'd really like to stay up till midnight but right now my bedtime is nine and i say, okay great when your bedtime will remain nine until you can prove you can stay up till midnight but it's <laughs> like well how do i prove i can stay up to midnight if I have to go to bed at nine so what you want to do is say well let's run an experiment for two weeks your bedtime is midnight but then we're going to evaluate it not it's not forever but then we're going to look at it we're going to see well how was it for you how was it for me what did we learn and then make an adjustment but you have to or, you know, if you want to go further, you say, well, maybe we'll just say it's 1030 and then we'll do that for two weeks. And then we'll go to midnight, something like that. But, but the idea is by giving the people the authority to make decisions over their lives in small steps, it's safe for you and it's safe for me. And we have to we as leaders need to trust first. We give them the authority first. We say, OK, great. You can decide when your bedtime is. I'm going to trust you have the technical competence and the clarity to do that but it's going to be in a small way. So if there's a screw up, we don't collapse the whole company.
0: David, at what point did you realize that you had hit on something, you know, very novel that was useful outside of just the naval context? And, and when did you decide you want to do it when in business instead of just, you know, maintaining some kind of consultant inside the Navy?
1: We had the experience on the submarine. It felt great. We got awards. I got promoted. And uh, it was an amazing experience. I don't want to minimize it. But at this point, it's it, it's still what I would call accomplishment or achievement, because I was there. It was only after I left and I saw how the people continued to do well and the organization did well without me that I had the courage to say that that was leadership. That Because leadership is always about other people. So when i left the navy i wrote the book i mean you never know with the book but uh my hope was that people would see it as a universal story that involved humans and that's largely been um been the case and then businesses call and they say hey we we want help doing the we we believe in, in the structure that you created we want help doing the same kind of thing
0: so, this is One of the things I really like from uh, your talks was you had this line about the difference between taking control and attracting followers and giving control and creating leaders. Can you expound on that?
1: Yeah. So I think it goes back to this this class analysis, which is we, we divide people into leaders and followers. Now, I think there, are, there is leadership and followership, but the wrong kind is the I'll follow you and you know you follow the person above you. And it becomes a game of attaching yourself. To the right rising star in the in the corporation, and if they get pulled into CEO, then you're an automatic path to senior vice president. Uh, well, we tried that in the Middle Ages. It's called feudalism, this you know, pledge pledging fealty to a superior. And the uh, the way I like to think about it is, we're all leaders in that we we lead ourselves. In following the principles of the organization. So, we're followers, including the person on top, equally accountable for following the values, principles, mission of the organization. But we lead ourselves in terms of how we do that. And I think it's the leader follower structure where I'm following a person, which results in the worst possible behavior I've, we've seen out of human beings. When you look at the Volkswagen Dieselgate Wells Fargo uh, mortgage scandals; these different scandals, it, the, the excuses always, "Well, I was just doing what I was told." Right? No principle will tell you to do that kind of thing. People will, or the hint that they, that you should cut corners or do whatever, and and it's it's the absolution of our own responsibility by saying, oh, well, someone, else, someone told me to do it. If, it's, if, the, if the responsibility for ta- making a decision rests squarely on your shoulders, I think we get to see humans make much better decisions.
0: David, why don't you close this out with telling us what's one small way we can all change our language? Anyone who's in a leadership position can change the language to help people to take more ownership.
1: Start your questions with what or how. So even this idea... So, what I've seen a lot of times is, is we'll go to a meeting and people will say, well, should we do A or B? Or uh, is it safe? Are we ready to go? Is the software ready? Is the product ready? Should we launch on time? And these are all binary questions, which so put people in a box and they're very blunt. It was very hard to say no. So what you what we encourage people to do is say, well, how confident are you or how safe is it or how sure are you? And let people score it one to five and hold up their hands fist to five or we use cards sometimes. And that's the nuanced input into a decision which may end up being a binary decision, launch the software or delay the product launch. But the input should be nuanced. So so start your question with what or how. Try that for a week and uh, see how hard it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, see if there's something you learned that you might not have learned if you just asked a binary question.
0: Great. Well, David, it's been great to connect with you, to hear your stories. Where can people go to learn more about your book and your work?
1: Yeah, well, the book's available on, on any sort of uh, online place. Turn the Ship Around. And we have a website, davidmarquet.com. But we also have a YouTube channel called Leadership Nudges, where we have these little 60-second, typically, clips where they have things like I just talked about. Go uh, start your question with what or how. Uh, Another one of my favorites is go to dinner. Or next time you go to a restaurant, don't order. Let the waiter pick. Tell them not to play it safe. And then you you don't know what it is until it comes in front of you. But you also have to make it safe for them to pick for you. So these are just little little activities to help train your brain how to give up control in small ways and build an empowering team around you.
0: Nice. Love it. Well, David, thanks a lot for being on the show and sharing your insights with us.
1: Cheers, and thanks, all listeners, for your attention.
0: This has been the Work Minus Podcast. If you like what we're doing, go to workminus.com where you can see the show notes and a full transcript for every episode. You can also sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest progressive ideas about how you can build a better workplace.